that. Go get them. I just love a good sports game. We just got to win this one. Balls are so important. Yeah, we got to kill them. Well, I don't know about kill, but we got to win. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Win. Yeah, win. Uh, Andrew, I I feel like you're maybe a little intense today. Is is everything okay? Oh, Oh, yeah. All good. I just really need a win. Well, it's 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 just a game, so you know, just you know, calm down. Get them, rip their heads off, drink their blood, and mail their genitals to their mothers. Oh my God! And then take their teeth and make sensational earrings we can sell on Etsy. Oh, uh, okay. Well, everyone, it's episode one hundred and three. Sports are terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay as high we honor thee from life to death and rise! Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. No one like you left. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? Yeah! Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. That looks like a pass that needs to be caught. Yeah, you can't use your shoulder to catch a football. You've got to get your hands out there every night. And I'm out there with my kids working on catching the football. They want to use their body. It's just a natural instinct as a human being. But you've got to learn to be able to put the ball in your hands. Your hands are what makes it possible. Your shoulder pads are hard and stiff. Your hands are are, are tender and they can move and caress the ball. <laughs> that's that's kind of that's kind of gay, but hey. Welcome to another episode of Frygate the 13th Horror Podcast. My name is Maddie. And I am Andrew. And if this is your first time joining us for Frygate the 13th Horror Podcast, this is the podcast all about horror. Horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBT perspective. Um, and we are here with you today, pardon me, for our 103rd episode. Uh, and today this one is all about sports. Woo! Sports, sports. sports. <laughs> now, listen. There, you know, I will say this. There is, a, you know, I, I think there can be a misconception with people that gay people don't like sports. Let me tell you, that is not true, Andrew. Would you agree? We on have that? many kickball teams. We do. That is true. <laughs> but I mean, but but for real though, like I listen. Queer people love a bit of sports. They really do. Like whether it's you know soccer or football or basketball or whatever i'm or rugby butts or rugby i'm always cheering for the people that that you know that are the cutest in the end um, uh, yeah, very no, understandable no I'm, I'm joking i'm joking actually i do have a great affinity for sports but we'll get to that soon um andrew we've got a wonderful show planned today with two really great movies i'm actually really happy about both of these selections death race i was pleasantly surprised <laughs> yeah for real death race from 2008 and the most dangerous game from 1932 which is that the earliest film we've ever had on the show 
It's either that or Dracula. I couldn't remember which one came first. And I think this one came first, if I'm not mistaken. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll look it up. Anyways, um, two, two great selections to sort of fit into that theme of sports, and we're looking forward to getting you there. Now, listen, also, and will I say, will I say, did we, did we think about just reviewing Blood Games again? Yeah. Yes, we did. But. Because, because <laughs> listen, Blood Games is fucking awesome. And I, it, we, we, we hadn't thought about this episode when we chose that for whichever one that was. But damn. Fitness, yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, you know, to look, if this is your first time on the show, let me give you a basic rundown of what we're going to do today, right? So it all starts off with segment one, which is all about horror in real life. We then jump over to a thing called What You Been Watching, Bitch, where we tell you about some movies that we've been watching that are outside of horror or really anything else. And then we go into our movies, and then we close it out with something, you know, kind of silly at the end. And I think Andrew has a great game planned out for us today. But we start with the certified terrifying corner. Now, Andrew, I've got two real life bits from the news that I want to talk to you about, but they actually kind of just are all part of the same bit. Can I can I just say really quick though? Yeah, should that yeah, was that was sure. a really nice recap of the show, and I really appreciated oh. it. Well, thank you, Andrew. Thank you. On to the Certified Terrifying Corner. <laughs> on, on to the CTC, as we call it now. Um, certified Terrifying Corner. Andrew, two items for you. Um, they're both related to climate, um, which should be terrifying for everybody. The first one is Heat Wave Cerberus. Yes, now, you know, like, like how hurricanes have names. Now, apparently, heat waves have names, too, which is kind of terrifying. Anyways, um, Heatwave Cerberus is the one that is really wreaking havoc in Europe, bringing in nearly the highest temperatures ever recorded on the continent. Um, the, last week, it reached 47 degrees Celsius, which is 117 degrees Fahrenheit. Jesus. In, yeah, in Sicily. Um, but the record, and that was, that's was that been the record so far for Cerberus, but the record heat for the highest ever recorded in Europe is 48 degrees. So just a little bit above 117. It's like 120 basically. Yeah. Um, now the other thing though that I did, I wasn't really even thinking about. So I was reading, a, I was reading an article on the guardian um, about like this woman who, who swims all the time. And she was talking about how hot the water is in Europe right now. And so I forget what body of water she was swimming in. I, I, I can't recall. But like Mediterranean, right? um, I, I can't remember. It might have been a lake or a river, even too, though. But, but oh, whatever. like an in, like an inward lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 even even still, the the temperatures in the water are in the twenties and in, in, in twenty degrees Celsius, right? So that's like you know like 60, 70, 70 degrees, kind of. I mean, you know, sounds nice, right? But like that's not healthy for fish and for coral and for everything else. Yeah, it's it's one thing to have a heated pool, but it's another thing to have fish and wildlife living in, yeah. in that heat. So yeah, I as, as, as as the old saying goes, let's not boil the ocean, you know. So so that's Europe, right? And then in North America, pretty much the same thing. So um, I the, the the highest temperature. Well, I mean, there there was there was like a one hundred and twenty eight degrees in Death Valley, but Death Valley, you sort of expect that to happen, right? In Arizona, though, last week, it hit 114 degrees Fahrenheit, which is 45 and a half degrees Celsius. And that was after they had already been dealing with 10 straight days of temperatures in the 110s in Fahrenheit. So just a wild turn of a heat wave going on, you know, sort of all over the world. And th th those are just two examples that we talked about. We haven't talked about China or about Africa or about, you know, right. a number of other places. So really wild stuff and just, you know, another scary indicator that climate change is really wreaking, uh, wreaking havoc right now. 
Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, what I will say about Arizona, though, is those people chose to live there. So. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm less worried about them and just more worried about the climate in general. Yeah, yeah, you know? I agree with you. And, you know, shout out to our, our, our good pod pals, the final boys over in Arizona. In oh, Phoenix. I forgot they're in Arizona. That's right. But yeah. um, you live there. So <laughs> what's Look, I know. You? You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Like, you know, we've, the, the past week for me has been like the past, oh, the past really couple of weeks. It's been, um, it hasn't been our most pleasant weather here. We've had some sunny days, but like, it's been, you know, fairly cloudy. It's been, you know, kind of rainy, but not, it's, it's sort of like Florida rain here sometimes. Like it's off and on rain by, yeah. you know, is what, is what yeah. I mean by that. Um, Listen, but it's been, I will, it's, I will tell you, yeah, this has been the worst summer of Chicago history that I've been here. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you here, like, I mean, it's, it's really not been hot here. We, we've, we've had a couple of warm days this summer, but the, the, I'm, I'll just say this. I'm very grateful to be on an Island in the North Atlantic because up here, I'm not dealing with this crazy heat wave that is going on. Yeah. Like I was saying, Chicago this year, between the smoke from Canada Oh, God, I forgot the, about that. That's right. The tornado weather we've had literally every week and just like not hot weather like we're used to in in the Midwest of like our one respite from the rest of the year. Um, has it's it, just has, been has, a really bad summer. <laughs> has, has it been chilly there? Um, it's pretty normal. Um it's just we have so many storms. We literally have like storms every week. Wow. It's 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 insane. Like I don't know like so uh, there are a number of shows that I watch kind of like in prime time like you know like at the like a 7 8 o'clock hour. And because of all the storms that we've had, we literally haven't been able to watch a lot of those shows because the news is constantly oh, wow. being like the news is constantly being like tornadoes tornadoes that's crazy <laughs> listen listen tornadoes andrew needs his entertainment tonight <laughs> so don't, seriously don't, i am trying to watch it. wheel of fortune <laughs> uh i'm trying to watch et here thank you um well look uh, it's it's not getting any better folks so my, my my suggestion to you is um you should have an exit plan as soon as you can to get somewhere that isn't crazy hot that's, that's, that's all, the end, that's the end all, of your certified terrifying corner. Why don't we all just like go to Costa Rica? Doesn't that sound nice? Uh, yeah, look, I don't, I don't, it might not be the best place to go <laughs> in terms of, in terms of climate change. Well, I listen, don't know. Exactly. Now listen, folks, that's it for certified terrifying corner. We're going to move on with the rest of our show. And as I said earlier, we are talking about how sports are so terrifying. So Andrew, I, um, you know, I, I was thinking about different angles to take um, when thinking yeah. about, you know, what to speak here, what to speak about here, pardon me. And the one that came to mind for me was thinking about kids in sports. Okay. Because, so before we get into like your statistics okay, and everything, sure, sure. speaking of kids and speaking of us, were, do you consider yourself a very athletic person and what sports did you try and or play as a child? That's a that's a really good question. Um, I never considered myself athletic until right around my very late twenties into my thirties, mm -hmm. and that's when I started running. And when I started running, um, I, I started to do it. I, I kind of just like did it on a whim, 
And then I, it was like, I did a 5k one year and then I did a 5k the next year. And then the next year I did the 5k again. And that third 5k, I like vastly improved my time. Mm-hmm. And it was that, it was that moment. I, I, I know that it was seeing, seeing how I put in work and had a good output. It yeah. was that moment that changed my mind forever on like, Oh, maybe I could be good at a sport. Yeah. And so then I started to run and, you know, as you know, I just kind of went nuts about it. I, I ran my I countless 5Ks, uh, a bunch of half marathons. And then I ran five, mar- I ran five Chicago marathons, the last one being 2019. And, um, f- you know, so for that, I do consider myself an athletic person. Now, that's dropped, of course, as I've gotten older. You know, the, the pandemic really fucked with a lot of shit. You know, mm-hmm. this, year for, this year for me, I had a, I had a surgery and a, and a pretty, pretty rocking shoulder injury that I'm still kind of coming out of. And, um, and also like if I'm being frank, like just moving and, and, you know, some really bad choices in, in life, you know, in terms of like how much I'm drinking or, you know, doing whatever. So like, you know, those things definitely dwindle your, your athletic ability. But, you know, it's interesting right now that you're asking that question because, um, you know, I'm, I, I signed up for this, like this, like fitness challenge kind of thing. Okay. And it's, it's not, it's not like a, it's not like a game and it's not like, you know, lose so many pounds and you're the winner. Like, which I can't stand that shit. But I, um, I just wanted to like get a little inspiration to like get moving again, basically sure. have, have yeah, a yeah. program and, and it's been nice. And, you know, part of it has been just like, you know, okay, I've got to do my stuff during the week now and I need to be, I need to be active and whatever. And so I've just gotten back into running, which is wonderful. And I'm doing a, a, a training. It's, it's like a training philosophy basically called, called zone two and zone two running. God, I'm really going off on this. You shouldn't have asked me this question. Um, but zone, zone two running is when you basically keep your heart rate at the zone two level. So there's like five zones for, for your heart rate when you're training. Yeah. So it's and not like crazy. Exactly. And the, the second zone is what you would do for like endurance basically. And if you can just, if you can, for me, uh, if I keep my heart rate basically between 120 and 154, I think is the number for me, that's my zone two. And if oh, I, that's really interesting because yeah. like I, I have, uh, listen, we're not going to bore our listeners much yeah. beyond this, but like, I've just recently gotten back to like actually going to a gym, like, uh-huh. like going to the actual gym, like joining one. And I've been doing the three twelve thirty workout, okay. which I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, it's on the three, treadmill, right? Yeah. It's three miles an hour at 12% incline for 30 minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've heard of this. Yes. And it essentially keeps your heart rate right around like one fifty. Like exactly. that's kind of like where it is. So that's very interesting to hear it's, that we're both kind of doing very similar things, yeah. but in different ways. Right. Right. It's, it's the same kind of thing. And I'll tell you, like, you know, I, I use, um, I use, uh, Apple fitness and I use Strava to like keep track of all my metrics. And I'll tell you, Strava, I got to tell you, if it, I highly recommend it, it's, it's really worth it because w- it, it, you, you can upload all of your old stuff into it. And then the way that it like aggregates your data is so interesting. And they have this thing called a fitness score that like kind of like shows you like just like your general fitness and it, it ascribes you a score after like mm-hmm. conglomerating all the data together. And it's, it's just, it's wild to see. It's really, really cool. But blah, 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 blah. All that being said, I'm really, I'm, I'm like genuinely really happy to get back into running. I know a lot of people hate it, but you, you know, Andrew, that I really do love it. I'm like, I'm like obsessed with it. So not being able to do it for a long time really was like 
honestly kind of depressing. So getting back into it just feels nice. It feels good. It's like a good way into it. And all of that being said, when I was a kid, um, I played no sports. The only sport that I tried to play was when I was in middle school. I tried to play middle school football and I resolutely hated it. Like I, <laughs> I absolutely hated it. And I only played it because I thought that I was supposed to, because my brother did. And, and, and my, my, my brother played, uh, he played football all through. Oh, wait, God, Michael played football, basketball. And I think that's all that he played. Michael, forgive me, but I don't think you played baseball. Um, so like, I mean, I thought that I was supposed to do it, but when I, when I was in eighth grade, Oh my God, I hated it so much. And and all the boys in the team, like eighth grade is when everyone just gets so fucking mean and awful, you know? Yeah. yeah and I yeah. remember just one day being like, you know what? I'm not Ugh, gonna getting fucking, changed. I'm, yeah. I, I'm not going to fucking go to practice today and I'm just not going to go. And you know, it's, it's funny looking back at it too, because like, it's so anathema to who I am. Like the thought of like, I mean, I was a lineman for God's sake. I, oh, I too. I, I was the center. Yeah, I mean, like, do, do do either of us enjoy being hit? You know, no. Like, come on! I, I can't think of a worse sport for me and you to play. But there we were. Um, so no, I didn't play any sports. How about you? Um, so like you, I got into running later in life. I did three marathons, not, not to be confused with the five, but <laughs> I did do a very hilly one in Michigan. If that makes any, that makes up for anything. Hilly marathons are fucking intense. The, the, the thing about Chicago marathon folks, if you've never flat into it or, or run it before Chicago is a wonderful marathon because it is flat as a fucking pancake. It's so yeah. flat. The only, the only flatter marathon is the Berlin marathon. All right. One thing I want to compare, and we'll get on with it, and we'll get into my childhood. What's your fastest time? Uh, on the marathon, my fastest time was three hours, 54 minutes, and I forget the seconds. That's amazing. Yeah. Mine was, was, I was three, really proud of that. Mine was 339. That's incredible. And I died at the end. I don't yeah. know if I've told the story before, but at the end of my very first... So I had to run three because I had bad outcomes of two of them. Yeah. My first one, I uh, went to go sprint at the last 100 feet. Ooh, and no. I did not realize that that's not good for your body. Not at all. And my <laughs> oh, entire no. lower half went Charlie horse and I fell no. on the ground. <laughs> that's what we call hitting the wall, folks. Um. I did finish, but however, uh, my second marathon I, at mile twenty six, I vomitly puked literally. Oh everywhere. no! So by my third marathon, I said, "You know what, Andrew? Let's not be hateful to our bodies. Yeah, let's just do it like a normal person would do it and finish." And that's what I did. And then I said, "Good night." <laughs> not doing yep. this anymore. My God, but, my, um, well, you, you, you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, but as a kid, so I grew up in a very, very small town, um, and there wasn't much really to do, if I'm being honest. Uh, so, yeah, did I try every single sport? <laughs> yes. Well, did I succeed in any of them? No. Um, <laughs> I uh, distinctly remember trying baseball and I was running from a third base to home and got hit in the head so violently with a baseball that I walked off and said, I'd never again. 
uh, I tried out for football and I was made fucking center, which is oh the God. person that fucking hikes the ball. Like, why? Do, why and, did they make you center? Like, because why I was you, a like, husky kid. <laughs> uh, see, that's that's the thing. When you're husky kids like us, they're like, oh, just like put a, put them in the fucking front line. That they're, they're the first ones to get rolled over by the tanks. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, and I dealt with that for exactly one season uh, <laughs> on, on on varsity. Because we didn't have JV because we didn't have enough people to have JV in varsity. Um, That's great. <laughs> uh, I tried basketball in junior high. And if you look at my basketball picture, you will see why I didn't succeed because I looked like an idiot. <laughs> um, they, they did these photos. I don't know if you remember if you ever had this, but they did these photos for basketball where it was supposed to look like they paused the photo right when you were like palming the ball, yeah. like you would dribble and it would. Yeah. Like they they take it right when you're palming the ball. I just looked like I was in mid dribble. I didn't even look like everyone else is like standing like up with like their basketball and they look so strong with like their palmed ball. And I would looked like I was. Oh my fucking, god! Oh my god! I just I I wanted to be in sports so bad. I wanted to be like really good at sports, but yeah. I was just only okay at all of them. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, and so I became the editor-in-chief of the yearbook instead <laughs> you know what listen that in itself is a sport but yeah. you know like you know look i mean sports sports can be um sports can be wonderful they really can be and you know like like right now for example we're, we're recording this as the women's world cup is, is happening uh, oh, in yeah, australia yeah. um and you know it's an exciting time i i love watching watching football slash soccer whatever however you want to call it i think it's a lot of fun I wasn't always into it. I, I got into it like a few World Cups ago, um, and I just I just thought it was you know really really thrilling to see. Um, you know, s- since I moved to Ireland, like I, I went to my first rugby game um, a couple months ago with my friend Grania, and it was just I, I had a blast at the at this rugby game, and it wasn't just for the butts. I promise you, although the butts were very <laughs> nice. Um, like, and then you know, like I I went to Indiana University, um, and you know, huge IU, basketball town. It's a big sports school, but especially for basketball. Um, and like you, you just like it. I it you're, you're hard pressed to find anybody that goes to IU that like doesn't even like try as hard as they might not to get into it. Like they all get into it. Like everybody does. It's just like, it's part of the, the, the spirit of, of the town. It's the um, Hoosier hysteria. If you it know. is exactly right. <laughs> and like, you know, this and that, and whatever. And like, I, I really do love like old, like, you know, like, like tradition when it comes to sports and like that kind of thing, you know, so the, those are all the good sides of sports, but then, you know, look, there are the dark sides too. You know, we, we've talked on the show before about, um, about uh, about like like uh, s- sexual assaults in sports when it comes yeah. to like you know um, what did we talk about before the the women the women's gymnastics team we we talked yeah about the women's before. gymnastics team we talked about Notre Dame and their yeah. whole we talked about Penn State and sure. their whole thing like and that's a thing like there's a lot of like so this is what I when when thinking about this episode I like I literally had like a weird epiphany in my brain and I said sports and religion are so similar that when used for good are really fucking yeah, good sure. and when used for bad are really fucking bad. Yeah. 
And I mean, you know, like, look, one thing, the one thing that we could have talked about in the episode today is um, the 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 exclusion of transgender people from many sports, right? Oy, oy, oy. And I think, you know, for me, I, I certainly thought about that, but I thought, you know what, that's that's actually not where I want to focus today because, frankly, our listeners already know it, <laughs> if I'm being honest. And like, and if yeah. you don't know it, you, you need to go check it out because it, that's just one symptom of the of the conservative madness that has overtaken America, um, but what I chose to focus on f- for this episode today um, was about kids, right? And I think it's really important because you know there there's such a strong culture of children in sports, or really any country that you go to. It's not just America. I mean, it's yeah. ev- everywhere in Europe, in Africa, in, well, in, in Asia. It's all. Over. I think like what sports are like deep down, like what sports were invented to do was to uh, teach kids like a path, you know what I mean? Like teach them discipline, teach them, sure, you know, rules, teach them those kind of things. Like that's, well, and also, that's, you that's know, innately like what it was for. Well, you and know also, what I mean? Just, just like you were saying earlier, like it's just something to do. I mean, at, at the end of the day, sports are, sports are supposed to be fun for people. Like they're, it's supposed to be a, a fun time. Unfortunately, humans, um, just have to turn everything into a shit show. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it becomes, it becomes about money or it becomes about power or it becomes about this or that or whatever. Um, but when it comes to kids um, in sports, thinking about how injuries occur. So I did mm-hmm. a little research from Stanford Medicine, um, and uh, they, they've got a, just a, a really simple uh, web page that just lists some, some, really, some really harrowing um, injury statistics. And so I'll go, I'll go through these with you. And you know, maybe these are some that you're familiar with, but for me, I wasn't really familiar with, with any of this, to be honest. And so um, you know, Stanford says that in the U.S., about 30 million kids and teens – participate in some form of organized sports and more than three and a half million injuries a year happen, which cause some loss of time of participation and are experienced by the participants. Almost one third of all injuries incurred in childhood are sports related injuries. Isn't that Mm -hmm. interesting? Mm -hmm. And by far the most common injuries are sprains and strains. So nothing too crazy, right? Now, obviously, some sports more dangerous than others. For example, contact sports like football, um, you, you know, obviously there's going to be a higher number of injuries there than like a non-contact sport such as swimming, for example. But all types of sports have a potential for injury, whether from the trauma of contact with other players or from overuse or misuse of a body part. So mm-hmm. here are some injury rates, right? Oh, um, first off, more than three and a half million children ages 14 and younger get hurt annually. And this is in America, by the way. Um, ages 14 and younger get hurt annually playing sports or participating in recreational activities. Um, although death from a sports injury is rare, the leading cause of death from a sports-related injury in childhood is a brain injury. Sports and recreational activities contribute to approximately 21% of all traumatic brain injuries among American children. It's actually lower than I thought it would be. And almost 50% of head injuries sustained in sports or recreational activities occur during bicycling, skateboarding, or skating incidents. More than 775,000 children ages 14 and younger are treated in hospital emergency rooms for sports-related injuries each year. Most of the injuries occurred as a result of falls, being struck by an object, collisions, and overexertion during unorganized or informal sports activities. Now, where do these things happen? 
um, which is also interesting to think about. Um, playground sports and bicycle-related injuries, uh, th- those occur most often among children between ages 5 and 14 years old. The highest rates of injury occur in sports that involve contact and collisions. We sort of already know that. And the most severe injuries occur during individual sports and recreational activities, which is also interesting. You, you, you really would think that it would be during organized activities. But, I mean, it just goes to show you that maybe we, we really are making strides in keeping kids safer. And well, then I mean, most and organized also like- sports-related injuries, about 62% of them, they occur not during a game, but during practice. Well, I mean, I'm just thinking like, so all your statistics, uh, statistics, excuse me, are basically under 14. That's kind of like where most of these come from. Yeah, sure. And I'm just thinking like, well, yeah, duh, because we're all fucking growing and like, don't know what our bodies are supposed to do. And like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I mean, can you, th- I, from, from age five to 14, how many fucking times I fell off of something? Oh God, or- of course like knocked myself out or like whatever like can i it was a, it was a million i lived in the woods <laughs> like you know what i mean oh no no for sure but but i i would say that the the numbers appearing to be lower than that i thought they would be I well do. yeah i think well we we now have better helmets we have better you know pads right we, right, right, right. We, and, we, and and it's and, and also stuff. and also we have better regulation which which i think yeah. is important and yeah you know that that's important in a world or especially in america in a country where you have conservative fucking freakazoids who are just obsessed with small government and with not having you know big government put their hands into this and that whatever else and once again you know, conservatives who just love to protect children, they would be the same people who would be opposed to, you know, be really thinking through, like, how can we get better about protecting our kids during sports, you know? And they, yeah. they might be the same ones, I would suggest. I would I would posit, you might say, um, that kids should just deal with it, right? Um, there are some, some sports-specific uh, statistics. I'll just give you a few of them here. Um, basketball, a lot of injuries. More than 170,000 children ages 5 to 14 treated in hospital ERs for basketball injuries. Baseball and softball, that is 110,000. Now, here's the thing, though. Baseball has the highest fatality rate among sports oh for children ages 5 to 14, with three to four children dying from baseball injuries each year. And that's, that's why I don't play it. Stuff. You're right. That's the obvious stuff. You know, the, the, the ball, like, literally flying at you so incredibly fast. Helmets not fitting properly. You know, baseball bats that are, you know, essentially, like, killing machines. So just some crazy stuff there. Soccer um, is, is, not, is not quite as high. It's about, it's about 88,000 children ages 5 to 14 uh, get treated in, in ERs for A for lot of that injuries. has to just be collision. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. between soccer players because and then, that and, ball doesn't do much. <laughs> oh, for sure. And then, and then, as you might guess, the sport with the most injuries would be football. So almost 215,000 children ages 5 to 14. So just a few stats there to, to give you some context in, in terms of thinking about, about kids and sports and, and how dangerous it can be. Um, you know, like I said, I, I am actually sort of pleasantly surprised that those numbers aren't higher. You know, thank God they're not with kids for, for Jesus Christ's sake. Um, but you know, the only, the only other thing that I would say is, as I, you know, trail off my part here and I'm thinking about kids in sports, like, look, I think kids in sports, it's wonderful. You know, as I said earlier, I, I, I didn't really play sports as a kid. I only played, you know, football in seventh and eighth grade and well, seventh and half of eighth grade. But I really wish I could go back in time and do something that just felt right to me. And, and what I wish is that, you know, like so many other things, it's hindsight 2020. 
I just wish it would have been different when I was growing up and somebody would have said, okay, football is not right for you. We got that. Let's try the other one. Let's, yeah. let's how about I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hold your hand and guide you through this and let's find something else where you can find a home in your body. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And, I, and and it's amazing how, you know, we we don't do that with kids. We just sort of shove them into this and say make it work. But like, uh, you know, if oh my god, if only I had discovered running when I was younger. Um how, I mean I really mean this, how much healthier I might be from it. But, you know, look, that is what it is. If I ever have kids, I will make sure that I am compassionate when it comes to their sports. Yeah, but I think, like, a really important thing to think about is that sports, in like, in general, like, they're not everything. And I think that what you found later in life is that you were more on the, you know, I think it's the right brain side of things, where you wanted to create and you wanted to perform. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that it's important to, yes, sh- like shepherd your children into like trying literally everything, like the, as much as you can afford, as much as you can find the time to do, like let them figure out like what they like. But like if it does come down to, hey, I really like singing or I really like oh, for uh, sure. writing poetry, I don't know. Let them choose. Like you don't have to, they don't have to be everything to everybody. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, I was just thinking when you were when you were talking about all these uh, injuries and everything. Do you know like the the injury that I feared literally the worst in my life? Breaking your arm? No, jamming your fingers. Oh, it's basketball. awful. Oh, it's oh terrible. my god, oh the my worst. God. <laughs> I was really just thinking about bad. that. But um, so let, let's let's shift things a little bit okay. into professional sports. So I think that that's kind of every. Every kid that plays sports, it's their dream. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's sure. that's like it's millions of dollars. It's a job that literally you can do for like seven years and then retire on. Like, it's you know what I mean? Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's a lot. Um, but I think what we don't really tend to understand is kind of toxic fandom and like, oh my god, how yes. that Ugh. how that affects players necessarily. Yeah. Um, and just one thing really quick before we get into this is I just want to say, can we tax the NFL already? But that's all. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it is ridiculous that those organizations are not taxed. It, it, makes, it makes zero sense. Yeah. But anyway, um, so I read a very interesting article by Sierra Moore from the Sports Business Journal. And it, it, it's titled, When Love Turns Into Hate, The Growing mm. Toxic Fandom of American Sports. Okay. Um, and it basically, I'll kind of break it down, but uh, the world, the WHO reported the first year of the pandemic that anxiety and depression had increased to a massive 25% globally. Wow. Um, and then it also goes on to say like athletes and their fans aren't absolved from being part of that statistic. And I think like what the author here is trying to posit is like, these people, these professional athletes, they have such extraordinary ability. They're on TV, most likely. They're making millions of dollars. And so they become more of an object yeah. than a person. And I think what they what we forget is that no matter, you know, their ability or their income, they're still humans. Yeah. And they still true. have depression and anxiety. Course, yes. And it, it only is escalated by these by being a sports figure. I mean, can you imagine like if you are paid 
millions of dollars every year and you fuck up a field goal right or sure. you know you miss a three pointer that loses the game and i i think what we forget is like they're people too like we have to remember that like yes they are making so much money but like they're literally on the line for it for their entire lives without a doubt <laughs> yeah so just something to think about. And I thought that, and well, you can look and, this and up they, on Sports and, Business and, Journal. It's, and, a, it's and, a very interesting article. I don't want to go through it line by line, but I just thought it was I, really I, interesting I, to bring up. And I just want to add there too, that, you know, like, look, it's it's not just like, it's not just all of that stuff, but like they pay for it with their bodies. Like, yeah. I mean, and look, it's not going to be every single athlete, but the the ones who are out there fucking doing it, no matter no matter what sport it is, like their bodies pay the price. And especially when it comes to football players, traumatic brain injuries have been shown clinically over and over and over again to lead to depression and to lead to really bad mental health problems later in life. Well, there there, was the one, there's been a string of suicides in, in professional football and it's just, it's, it's, it's wild. It really is. Well, and there, it even has gone as far as there was the one NFL player who became an active shooter. And oh, upon, yeah. God, I forgot and, about that. Yes. And upon like his, uh, I don't want to, it's not dissection, upon his autopsy, yeah, yeah. Uh, was revealed that he had traumatic brain injury to See? his frontal lobe, which go. was yeah. like over time had eroded. And it just, it drives people insane. Like, I, I think like that's like a really important thing to yeah. like just remember is that like, Anything you do within fitness, within athletes, within sports, it's going to have long-term effects on your body, oh, yeah. whether that's positive or oh, negative. Yeah. So just like do what you can with your body and don't let anybody exploit that. Uh-huh. And I think that that's really important to remember. And we've exploited humans. We've exploited humans for sport since the beginning of time. So I don't think that that's going to change anytime soon. Yeah, But it's just like... I don't know. It, it it makes me think like how much damage I've done to my body by doing such stupid stuff. Like you know, when I could we, just like, and we just drink, I know. <laughs> like, and I'm just klutzy, but, um, but yeah, I would encourage people to go read that article. It also talks about how toxic fans, uh, in like the last couple years have, and we, we've even, we've even seen this with like music artists, like people are getting things thrown at them. Things are like people oh, are, their, their families are getting threatened. That's ridiculous. Like, and it, it's, it, listen, you, you should love your basketball team. You should love your football team. Don't, do anything negative about that. Just make it positive. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, look, I, I, I'm a very big Indiana Hoosiers basketball fan. And, um, and I used to You're not going to gonna be, kill for them. <laughs> well, no, no I'll, I'll, I'll make a point here really quick. And, and it's this. I, I used to be a rabid fan. And, you know, just like, you know, your husband and our producer, Michael, was kind of the same way. I mean, like, yeah. we used to, we were so into it. And this is, you know, everyone else around me too, my brother, my, my friends, everybody. We were so into Hoosier basketball, and I look, I still am. I still love it. But, like, man, if they lost a game, my fucking night was ruined. I mean, yeah. ru- I ruined, yeah. and my week was ruined, and I was mad, and I was mad at that player. I'm mad at that player. And I don't remember what year it happened for me, but eventually I, I, I just – my brain just finally flipped, and it went um, – you do remember that they're, like, just, like, they they were just teenagers, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And like. And when you remember that, you're like, oh, my God, why am I doing that? And I'll tell you, ever since that, that you know, very simple revelation for me, I've enjoyed the game so much more. 
because now, you know, my, my happiness doesn't hinge on whether or not they lose. Like instead, I'm just like, you know what? That's really amazing that they play that game so well. Good for them. You know, whether you win, whether you lose, I don't even care anymore. Just go out there and play well and, and give, give it all you got. That is honestly so interesting to hear you say that because I had a very similar, like, just like revelation of like, hey, maybe you're just there to watch. Yeah. Like, maybe it doesn't matter if like the fucking championship is on the line or yeah, like whatever. It, but like, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't. You know, like, you know, it's it's like it's like when Croatia lost the World Cup and I'm, I'm, I'm a Croatian and, and my family is too, of course. Man, it was so disappointing. It was so disappointing. But you know what? It was kind of cool that they played, you know? And so you yeah. walk away going, wow, little tiny Croatia got all the way to the finals. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. What a great day. Ugh. I just, I love, I love sports and I hate what it does to humans. I know. Anyway, I get it. Uh, um, I think that will wrap us up. Okay. With sure. our horror in real life. So I don't know folks, if you have anything else. No, that's it. I think that's a nice little chat about sports. Um, and you know what? Look, I am I'm looking forward to continuing to watch the Women's World Cup. I I watched the um I watched the uh the Republic of Ireland, the women uh take on take on Australia and Australia's opening game for, you know, them hosting it. And the girls played great. They were so good. You know, once again, they they lost the first opener, you know, and that's disappointing because I'm I'm really rooting for Ireland this year, of course. And, um, you know, I, I could have gotten angry about it and said, I just said, you know what? They, they play Canada on Wednesday. That's going to be a great game, you know? So all the sports fans out there listening, I hope that that's how you look at sports too, and as a way to really, you know, uplift yourself. And even if your team loses, you know, keep a positive outlook. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I agree. And in the words of the purge, let's not release. <laughs> let's not release the beast. You know, we had we had, so. we had to bring. We, we, look, we always bring it back to horror here on Friday the Thirteenth, uh, folks. We're gonna take our first break, and we'll be right back with what you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. It's time. I feel like I'm Mariah Carey right now, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's time for what you've been watching, bitch. What you've been watching, you sporty bitch. And if you have never tuned into the show before, this is the 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 time where we talk about what we've been watching, <laughs> stupid bitch. Um, and uh, we just talk about things we've been watching. They might not be all good, but they might be bad i don't know i'm, I'm explaining this <laughs> it's funny it's wrong but anyway maddie what you been watching uh boy i've been watching a, a bunch oops i'm sorry I hit my microphone there sorry folks um i've been watching a bunch of different stuff lately um and i will tell you the first one uh, where, which one do i want to start with though um i'll start with this one i'll start with the bad one <laughs> the, the bad one is um is black mass it's from 2015 it stars johnny depp as whitey bulger um, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so so hear, hear me out on this stuff, right? Um, so it's got Johnny. It, it, it has it has a great cast. It's Johnny Depp, Joel Edgerton, Dakota Johnson, Kevin Bacon, Peter Sarsgaard, Adam Scott, Benedict fucking Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Scott Anderson. I mean, like the list goes on. There's a lot of people in this movie. And the reason why I watched it is uh, I've just been like for the past few months, I've been on sort of like a mafia movie kick, which I just I really like gangster movies. Um, and I was watching another movie that I'll talk about in, in my segment here 
Um, and it got me thinking about just watching some other ones. And I was like, oh, you know what? I actually haven't seen this. I'm probably not going to like it, but let's just check it out. Um, and so on Amazon, um, not on Netflix as I, as I had it listed, on Amazon, I saw Black Mass. I said, okay, let's give it a watch. And I gave it a watch also because the story of Whitey Bulger is what um, is what inspired the story of The Departed, um, which is a, a Martin Scorsese movie, which is a movie that I adore. I, I don't want to hear anything bad about The Departed because it's fucking, I think it's a fucking incredible masterpiece of a film. Anyways, Black Mass, Whitey Bulger should have been good. You know, Boston Mafia, Irish Mafia, all that kind of shit. Let me tell you what, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> it is not <laughs> good. Johnny Depp, like the the makeup and the wig that they did for him to be Whitey Bulger, it's uh, it, it's almost comical. Like I don't know how they made this movie and said he looks okay because <laughs> he doesn't. He looks like a fucking freak. He looks like a fucking freak. And on top of it, Whitey Bulger is a is a fucking Boston you know mafioso here, right? He's a Boston crime boss. His Boston accent is terrible. I mean, oh, no. really, really bad. And, you know, and you, you perhaps wouldn't notice it if there were some people who actually get a good Boston accent going. But, you know, throughout the movie, other people have a bad one, too. Like Benedict Cumberbatch's Boston accent is it's middling. It's not awful, but it's it's not great either. Um, Joel Edgerton's is OK. Peter Sarsgaard's is not very good. And it's, a, you know, a scrambling of other people that you're just like, why? Like, why did you cast this movie this way? I do think that the movie could have been good with different casting. I really do think that. Like, I, I just think Johnny Depp as Whitey Bulger makes no sense. So it would be interesting to see if they if they had replaced him with somebody else, who that would be. I don't know if it would have been better. But look, that, 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 that that's not the reality of it, is it? So look, uh, if you're into gangster movies, which I am, <clears throat> let me tell you, if you haven't seen Black Mass yet, you can skip it. It's not worth your time. Hmm. Yeah, I... Just no, I listen. I, you heard it earlier in my in my discretion or in my disgust. I, I'm not a huge fan of of Johnny Depp past like 2000. But, yeah, sure. <laughs> but that's it. Is what it is. All right, my next one is, or my first one, I should say, is the the Super Mario Brothers oh, movie. Wow. Um, listen, if you you know you know our ages at this point. And you know that we all grew up with video games and mm -hmm. with Super Mario and have continued. I mean, I think we probably played Mario Kart during the pandemic. A lot. To infinity. You a, know lot, I mean? a lot, a <laughs> lot, so, yeah. Um, the, listen, if you are a Super Mario Brothers person, you're going to like this movie. It is exactly what it's supposed to be and nothing more. It's not going to surprise you. It's not, it, but okay. it will delight you. You know oh, what I mean? It good. is. Okay. That's good. To hear. It is a fun movie, but you can totally tell. You can just see it in the filmmaking that they know that they're going to have 10 more movies. You know what I mean? Oh, like, wow. Like you just, you can just feel it that they're like, we're going to, we're going to plant all these little seeds and they're going to grow up to be big Super Mario Brothers. Movie. Oh, boy sequels so just know that that if you're getting into the super mario brothers movie you're probably going to get into like a marvel that kind of a thing like okay. that's what they're that's what they're doing so a like little, a little universe yeah like so proceed cautiously unless you have a million hours fair <laughs> to, enough, to, fair to enough. Okay. This. but i enjoyed it um you know there's the whole chris pratt of it all and we don't have to go into that. But Whatever. I do I do anymore. I think he's the best voice for Mario? No. 
but you know, whatever. I think I'm, I think I'm stained a little bit from, you know, the person of it all. Um, but overall, I'd say if you like Super Mario Brothers, go give this a watch because it's super fun. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, my next one, uh, God, I really have like, I have three mafia movies. I'm just seeing this now. My <laughs> next one is Casino. Um, this is Martin Scorsese's film um, with the usual sort of cast of characters that he would have, right? So we're thinking about um, we're thinking about Robert De Niro. We're thinking about Joe Pesci. Um, and this one in particular, we're thinking about Sharon Stone. Um, Your mom's no Sharon Stone. Oh my God, she's, so, she, she's so good in this. And, and But also like a crazy list of other people like Don Rickles and um, James Woods and, and Kevin Pollack and uh, just a lot of a lot of really great people in this movie. Um, Casino is wild. Um, it is the story of Sam Rothstein, who um, gets uh, I'll just read you the little thing from Letterboxd uh, in early 70s Las Vegas low level mobster Sam Ace Rothstein gets tapped by his bosses to head the Tangiers Casino. At first, he's a great success in the job, but over the years, Problems with his loose cannon enforcer, Nikki Santoro, played by Joe Pesci, his his ex-hustler wife, Ginger, played by Sharon Stone, and her con artist ex, Lester Diamond, and a handful of corrupt politicians put Sam in ever-increasing danger. Um, This movie is Scorsese to a T. I think it's absolutely wonderful. I just had such a blast watching it, and it is fucking brutal. Um, you know, it came out in 95, so a lot of people probably already know a lot of the shit. But this is the one where, like, Joe Pesci gets beaten with baseball bats, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and that scene, it's it's amazingly brutal. I'm I'm a big fan of Martin Scorsese in general. There's very few films of his that I I, I don't, like, cop on to and like. And the one of the things that I really love about Martin Scorsese is this, is that his mafia films, they're not really about the mafia. They're about America. And when you look at all of the films sort of, you know, across the panoply of time that, that, that he's made, he's really made this like historical record of America. And that I think is really incredible because the mafia, the mafia can't exist without America just doing what it does. And there's something just amazing about a director like Scorsese that can go in so, so incisively and cut through it and find the brutality and find the madness and find the, the, the capitalistic hubris of it all that really says this, the mafia is America on steroids, right? It's like, it's like, it's like the most American thing that it could possibly be. And that, that's how America exists, whether we choose to believe that or not, because America, America is a brutal place and America is a place where it is, you know, scrambled to get what you can get and get it before anybody else does. And that's basically the mafia. And I think it's just incredible. This movie I loved. I think Robert De Niro is great in it. Sharon Stone, fan fucking tastic. And Joe Pesci is just Joe Pesci to the core. And I think he does a great job. This might be Joe Pesci's best work ever, I think. Now, one thing that is weird about Casino is there is a, a there's a voiceover between um Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci throughout the entire movie. And it's sort of like them like looking back on the whole story and like telling you about it. That's the one thing that I do kind of wonder that like if Scorsese were to make this movie today, would he make that same choice? I'm not so sure that he would, but listen, it works. It's probably, it's the weakest part of the movie, but that's not saying very much because the movie is so strong to begin with. So if you've never seen Casino, I highly recommend you see Casino. Yeah. I remember when this movie came out in the nineties 
And I remember it being like a huge fucking deal. Oh, like, yeah. It was like a huge deal when it came out. And I've seen it, but I'll be honest, I don't remember a ton about it except for um, Sharon Stone. Sure. And I just have this like vision in my head of her like tossing dice. And like, that's all I kind yeah. of remember yeah. from the movie. She did but do that, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'll have to maybe go back and give it a chance because I think it was a pretty big Oscar and like contender. Oh, it was? Know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, my next one is RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. Yes, I am that gay. But um, this it just wrapped up on Friday. I will not give away who won, but um, I will say overall, when this casting was announced, I was, I'm not going to say I wasn't happy, but I just wasn't like, enthralled with okay. like the people that were cast because i mean it's all stars it's like pe- it's all people you know yeah sure um and so like going through the season i was kind of just like okay 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 but it's like there are certain seasons of rupaul's drag race and for people that watch it they will understand this sure there are certain seasons where there is one or two favorites and you know it from how rupaul reacts to them that that's her favorite and that favorite will go on very long if not win the whole competition Hmm. and so sometimes for me the way that rupaul's drag race is set up because ultimately it's rupaul's choice it's rupaul's yeah she's 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 the one that makes the show she's the one that you know decides the winner it's sometimes just is not as climactic as i want it to be because so it's, it's almost of, like it's almost like you're saying that like you sort of know the game before it's up. Exactly. And it's hmm, maybe it's just become too formula form what formulaic. formulaic. Yeah. Um I still enjoy watching it. I still like the personalities on it. I still enjoy it, but it, it sometimes just feels like no matter who you like, you already know who's going to win or who's well, going to go far. You I know mean, what I mean? That, that, I do. I, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't watched it in a long time. You know, I, there, there are definitely some Queens that I definitely like. We, we, of course on this show, we love Lucy Laduca the best, got some news. Um, but like, I, I just haven't really been into to drag shows in general for, for a bit. Uh, but I mean, like what season was it of, of, of RuPaul with this one? I go, what, what number all stars was this? I think this was all stars 11. I mean, that says it all right there, right? I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm so glad that, that these shows exist, especially in the times that we're in now. You know, it's important yeah. that these shows are that these shows are here and that they're still running. But I mean, you know, look, after 11, 11 times of doing it, like eventually, you know, like you're saying right now, the jib is up, you know, like eventually it's like, okay, it's the same thing over and over. Yeah, I just think that maybe they need a shake up in like that it's not just RuPaul's decision anymore. You know what I mean? Like sure. maybe they just need yeah. to shake up like how they judge the show or like whatever. That's just like my personal opinion. Listen, is the show a runaway fucking hit that like literally makes millions of dollars? Absolutely. Like it's it doesn't it doesn't need my one humble opinion to like change <laughs> everything, but like for me, I still watched it and I still enjoyed it, but just something about it for me just seems to getting a little fatigued makes sense to me makes sense to me um folks my next one is another mafia movie um a little bit different this time it's uh la confidential um another huge award winner movie it was it was now believe it or not andrew i had never seen la confidential all the way through are you serious i'm very serious and i i remember it i i had only seen like half of it and i don't ask me the reason why i just hadn't right so um it was it was movies movie of the day last week and i said you know what a perfect time to watch this right now now 
the one thing about it that gave me pause, and you're going to guess what it is, is oh, that I already know <laughs> Kevin Spacey's in it, right? And you know, I used to be a big Kevin Spacey fan, but after everything everything that's that's come out and everything that's happened, I just I it's it's it makes my skin crawl to watch him do anything, right? So, you know, thinking back to like movies that used to be favorites of mine, like like American Beauty, for example, I wouldn't watch that now if you paid me. Um, so when I started to watch this, I said, okay, you're just going to have to kind of take that with a grain of salt right now and just let's just get just, through it. Just concentrate on Kim Basinger. That's right, what you need basically. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I think this movie is fantastic. I just absolutely oh, love it. Oh, it's great. It is, it is, uh, it's a, it's a, well, it's not really modern anymore, but it's a, it's a fairly modern, uh, noir, uh, classic. And um, just so well done. And, and with a cast that just knocks your socks off. Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce, uh, Kim Basinger, uh, Danny DeVito, James Cromwell, J David Strathern, Ron Rifkin, Paul Guilfoyle. I mean, it just goes on and on and on with an amazing cast. And a story that is just incredible. Um, this is a story all about, you know, detectives and in the in the L.A. Police Department and and how uh, how corrupt how absolutely corrupt the LA police department really is and how it all kind of winds around and gets you going. And, uh, you know, there, there, there are twists at the end that I will not reveal here just in case you also haven't seen the whole thing, but I'll tell you what, if you have not seen LA confidential and you like that sort of thing, you go watch this. I do promise you that you can get through it, you know, with even with Kevin Spacey in there, it doesn't bother you all that much because the story is just so strong. So if you have not seen LA Confidential, go see it. Yeah, no, I I, I remember watching this movie, you know, many years ago and, and loving it. So not surprised that I, I'm actually surprised you had never seen it. That's the biggest yeah, surprise I, to me, just because it's like right up your alley. I, I can't remember why I stopped watching it or whatever, but I just did. I just never went back to it. You know, one of those things. Yeah. Uh, my next one comes to us from Tubi, uh, which... If you know my past with Tubi Originals, it's not great. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I've watched Terror Train and Terror Train 2. I don't know why I watched number two. I just did. Sometimes, not great. You, sometimes you just have to stare at the train wreck. You know, yeah. I get it. I watched uh, Titanic 666, which was an experience. <laughs> and so I came to this movie called She Came from the Woods. Oh, and God. I had heard good things. Uh, and I was just like, you know what? Give, give Tubi another chance. Like sure. they're, they're just a little free independent uh, thing that happens Fair enough. With, with the ads. Um, this was great. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, sorry to say. Um uh it's it's basically about a summer camp and um they're kind of wrapping up the season, they're sending the kids home, and all of the uh counselors are getting together for like their like last party night of the of the summer. And sure. there's like a mix of like older people, younger people, and they're and they and they have this ritual that every year they kind of um they, they they tell the story of this like nurse that ha it was like back in the 70s or no this takes place in the 80s so it was back in the 50s of this nurse that went crazy and like killed people and blah 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 what what they do this time is that they offer a blood sacrifice to her so they all oh kind of do like God, a little like Jesus. slit on their on their on their finger or, like whatever and that actually let resurrects her and it's, oh, wow. it's kind of just like the it's it and then things go on from there i don't want to spoil it for anybody because i actually do recommend the movie okay but um it was fun i mean every once in a while you just need a fun movie that doesn't take itself yeah. too seriously and 
you know, for horror lovers like us, these kind of movies are like almost like they're like candy. Like you can't sure. get enough. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. it, it's the it's it's maybe a very for like similar format of what you've been used to, but like you throw one little twist in there that makes it a little bit original, and you're like, "Give me more! I want all the Junior Mints." You know what I mean? Amen. <laughs> so, yes. Oh my God, Junior Mints! I want that. But um, so yeah, if you if you kind of like like that camp horror of like you know Friday the Thirteenth or like Sleepaway Camp or like that kind of thing, check out She Came from the Woods on Tubi. It's free with ads. That's awesome. Fantastic. Uh, my next one is one that you talked about before, um, but now it's my turn to talk about it because it's finally here in Ireland uh, on Disney+. Plus. It is The Bear Season 2. Oh, God. Oh, man. Talk about so, traumatic. Oh, my God. Listen, um, I, I I love this show. Um, I do, too. You know, I, I lived in Chicago for 20, 20 years, basically. Almost 20. I just call it 20. 20 years I lived in that city, and I... Um, uh, you know, I don't live there anymore and I'm never moving back to America, but I will always be a Chicagoan in my heart. I really do believe that because I love the city of Chicago and this movie, this movie, this, this show is just a love letter to Chicago over and over and over again. And I love it because like, you know, it shows the gritty parts of Chicago that like, if you're a Chicagoan, you know what they are, you know, the things that you have to live through and deal with that make, that make life okay in the end, you know? And, um, I just, I just love it. You know, this season was wonderful. It, there was great character development. Um, it was wonderful seeing, seeing something new happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to give any spoilers because I just don't want to do that if people haven't seen it yet. Or, or if you, if, if you might just be totally new to the concept of it, but it is a lovely, lovely show. And it's, it's a love letter to Chicago's food. It's a love letter to Chicago's music. The soundtrack to the show is so good. The actors are just wonderful. Like they're they're just amazing. And this season, you get fucking Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie Lee fucking Curtis, and you get Bob Odenkirk, and you get um oh who's the other person that was on it too? The the big Sarah man. Paulson. Sarah Paulson. I mean, like you get these incredible. Oh, and on top of it, you get Olivia Coleman. Like all of a sudden, I'm not going to say what happens. Yeah, but like, no, I know. <laughs> Olivia Coleman just pops up on screen, and you're like, I'm sorry. That's Olivia fucking Coleman in Chicago right now. Like that, that's it's so fucking cool. So this season I just thought was a joy. And you know, every I I I I love the show for so many things. I've I've already squawked on about it enough. But one of the things I love about it is that it really puts um it puts just ordinary people into situations where they become better and like they learn and they grow and they 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 ascend to something that they want to do just a little bit better to get through life a little bit better and i just i fucking love that i fucking love that because that's that's at the heart of of chicagoans too is this 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 hard working ethic of 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 getting shit done and doing it right and and being fucking cool about it i just uh, i just i can't say enough about it i loved the season i binged it all in one night it was wonderful do you have a favorite character oh god that's a really good question. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I just want to say Carmi just off the top of my head because, like, I mean, he is kind of amazing. Like, he's amazing. But I also really love Richie. You know, like, Richie makes me cry almost. Like, he's just, what a life, you know? And, like, he just try, he, he tries hard and no one understands him sometimes. But it, I think especially in this season, like, he, he really has some redemption that I think is pretty incredible. 
Yeah, my favorite character is Sugar. I love the sister. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. Just, she's wonderful. She was so um, especially, underused. Especially in this season, big time. Yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Like, she's so underused in the first season. And, like, yeah. I won't squawk on about this too much because I've already talked about it. But, like, what I really do appreciate in this season two of The Bear is that they gave all of the ancillary characters more to do. Big time. And they, like, expanded that universe. And it just, it's a triumphant of a show. So that's, if you haven't watched that's the bear, a great I, word for it. Triumphant. That's the word. Yeah. All right. My last one, I went to the theater. I actually yes. did a double feature, oh. uh, but I saw insidious, the red door or okay. what they should have called it. Insidious chapter five. But so whatever. Yeah, seriously, it's, you know, it's, it's a little thing about that too. You know, I, I have a lot of uh, Apple TV movies that I purchased, right? It's like yeah. Scream 5. Why the fuck didn't you call it Scream 5? And you oh, know, it drives me insane. <laughs> and it pisses me off because then when I go into my list of movies, it's out of order. And it drives me fucking nuts. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Insidious, I'm going to call it Insidious Chapter 5. There we go. Oh, um, yes, Insidious, there go. <laughs> Insidious <laughs> Chapter Reclaiming my time. Exactly. Um, it's in theaters. I went to go see it at the AMC in Evanston, Illinois. Thank you very much. Ooh, nice. Where I went to the where I went to the Chili's afterwards. Oh, so. I love Chili's. <laughs> um, uh, just one quick side note. I was watching this uh, reel the other day, and it was about this guy taking his British boyfriend to Chili's for the first time, <laughs> and it was really fucking funny. And <laughs> At the end of the meal, um, he was like, "Okay, well, out of ten, what do you give it?" He goes, "I give it ten million out of 10. I And he go he goes on to say, he goes on to say, "I don't know what kind of food I just ate, but it was good." <laughs> that that describes chilies. That's actually perfect. Um, but anyway, Insidious Chapter Five. This is essentially if you watch the Insidious movies, you could watch one, two, and then five. Okay, that's good get, to know. Okay, and kind of get like the story of like that family because three and four are about Lynn Shay and like they're all like about her like ghost hunting and like blah da 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 da. The the family is one, two, and five. So, uh, this is directed by Patrick Wilson, who also stars in the movie. Oh wow! Um, but this is basically about um, you know the young boy in you know Insidious, which eventually we're going to get to on the show. I promise. It's one of my favorite horror movies of the last like fifteen years. Um, we'll talk about it. But so it's essentially number one is about him kind of falling into a coma. And then, like, coming back from, you know, the further and figuring out that they have, like, this traumatic past. Number two is about Patrick Wilson and, like, what he went through as a kid and, like, kind of, like, dealing with that. Now, number five is about when that child is going to college. And they bring back the entire cast. The kids are grown up. They're nine years older than when they filmed Insidious, which I think is really cool. Um, and it's basically about him going to college and they've suppressed their memories. They've suppressed the dad's and the child's memories from the traumatic things that happened in two. So they don't remember anything. Sure. Sure. And because he's in art school, he has a teacher that basically is saying like, dig into your, you know, whatever your past or like, and he starts to draw and that like awakens all these memories at the same time, Patrick Wilson, who plays his dad is suffering from brain fog because he can't remember like what sure, happened sure, yeah and so it, it's fractured their family he, he's divorced from rose Byrne in the movie and it, it listen i don't think that the movie the writing is great okay i do think the movie's good though and i think and i think what you'll like about it maddie okay and from all of us kids that have dead dads now yeah is like 
there's a really good father-son story there. And sorry, I'm crying a little bit. <laughs> um, no, look, I, it happens to me all the time. I get it. I'm with you. And I think that's like where the movie's really strong. And they're, oh my okay. God, I love this movie. I'm not even joking you. A lot of people have, not, have said bad things about this movie, and I kind of don't get it. Because if you're going to the fifth movie in the Insidious movie, like, what are you expecting? But <laughs> Yeah, whatever. yeah. Um, I was like jittery. Like, I was like, wow. like spooked like i these movies spook me out like i don't know what it is and everyone's sleeping on three you need to go watch chapter three again because that was pretty good too um but overall i really liked insidious the the red door or chapter five um and i don't care what other people think (laughs) oh good good i'm glad you enjoyed it well, listen, folks, that was another edition of What You Been Watching, Bitch. Andrew brought us the Super Mario Brothers movie on demand, RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars on Paramount+, Plus, She Came from the Woods on Tubi, and Insidious, The Red Door, or just Insidious Chapter 5, at cinemas near you. And Maddie brought us Black Mass on Amazon, Casino on Amazon, LA Confidential, which was featured on Mubi, and season two of the bear which you can watch on hulu or disney plus so folks we'll take another break here and be right back with our first film of the episode the most dangerous game doesn't brag island mean anything to you there's something wrong i'm not trying to break in but i've been in a wreck welcome to my poor fortress this is Mr. Robert Rainsford who hunts big game so adventurously. Glad to meet you. We barbarians know that it is after the chase and then only that man revels. That's the savage's idea everywhere. One night as I lay in my tent, a terrible thought crept like a snake into my brain. Hunting was beginning to bore me. What I needed was not a new weapon, but a new animal. You found one? Yes. You take half-drowned men from ship to drive them out to be hunted. And if one eludes me only till sunrise, he wins the game. You murdering rat. I'm a hunter, not an assassin. You killed him. Precisely, yes. We can keep ahead of him that long. Get him down. One passion builds upon another. To date, I have not lost. Here on my island, I hunt the most dangerous game. Are you ready to play? Because we're playing the most dangerous game today. Maddie, talk to us all about the most dangerous game. They saw the heads of hunted men in Zaroff's trophy room. When legendary hunter Bob Rainsford is shipwrecked on the perilous reefs surrounding a mysterious island, he finds himself the guest of the reclusive and eccentric Count Zaroff. While he is very gracious at first, Zaroff eventually forces Rainsford and two other shipwreck survivors, brother and sister Eve and Martin Towbridge, to participate in a sadistic game of cat and mouse in which they are the prey and he is the hunter. The most dangerous game was directed by Irving Pickell and Ernest B. Shozadak. It was written by James Ashmore Creelman, the screenplay, uh, and it was from the O. Henry Prize winning collection story by Richard Connell, which I believe I read in grade school, uh, or not grade school, in, um, in middle school. Uh, it was produced and distributed by RKO Radio Pictures. I believe this is our first RKO picture as well. Bob played, or, or Rainsford or Bob, uh, whichever one, uh, played by Joel McRae. Eve played by Faye Ray. Martin played by Robert Armstrong. Count Zaroff, played by Leslie Banks, 
uh, Ivan, played by Noble Johnson, and Tartar, played by Steve Clemente. Um, the film is rated PG-13. It's 63 minutes long. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, American film that came out in September 16th of 1932. Uh, and it was filmed at RKO Studios in Culver City, California. The budget was $219,869. And the return on that was $443,000. This is a first watch for both me and Andrew. So Andrew, why don't you tell us what you thought about the film? Yeah, I mean, so we've only done like a handful of movies that take place like basically before 1950. You know what I mean? Like, so I didn't know what I was getting into when I kind of put this movie on. What I was happily surprised by is the first little image that I saw was the Criterion Collection. Yeah, right. They're at least going to make it look good. So I can at least like get into it. And when I was watching it, I was like, how in how in infinity is this from 1932? I know. Because so many things that they do in this movie are done so well that I didn't ex- I, I honestly didn't expect to like this movie that's this much. Yeah, sure. Um and then it comes in at 63 minutes and you're like just you know just kill me now I'm in perfection. It's but, it's incredible. Um, yeah. Uh no, overall I I was on the edge of my seat. I didn't know who was going to live or die. I didn't know how this movie was going to end. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie. Um, what, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, really the same. I, I, I did remember reading the story when I was much younger, as I said earlier. Um, can't remember what, what grade that was, but, you know, middle school or, or early high school, whatever. So I did remember, you know, some of the stories. So I had sort of that in my head. But I mean, like the, the, this, this, this story has been sort of filmed and, and treated many, many times, right? And yeah, so, just to give a little bit of background, we thought about doing Surviving the Game, which is right. kind of the same type of movie that made in the 90s starring Ice Cube. But uh, tragically, that movie is not streaming literally anywhere. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah very, very weird. But um, I mean, this is this is a great film. I mean, with with really like strong performances that sort of belie the 1930s. I mean, mm-hmm, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's I think it's difficult to find performances like Bob Rainsford or um, what, what's Faye's character, Eve, done? Eve. Um, you know, Bob and Eve, it's it's hard to find performances like theirs that aren't so plateaued um, in, in every other film of that era. So I think that there's like, there's a, there's a surprising authenticity to some of this movie. Now, don't get me wrong here. Count Zaroff is way over the top, obviously. And there's, there's also a little bit of brown face going on, or I guess you would say Cossack face going on with, yeah, but, with uh, Tartar and Ivan, but... <laughs> Was, He's from the exotic, exotic country of Crimea. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, not so exotic, and not so exotic anymore. We all know Ukraine at this point. Yeah, um, and they don't look like that there. How about that? Um, but I mean, look, it's a, it's a movie that is. Um, I, th- I think one of the things I like I like the best about the movie is the 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 cinematography. I mean, like for example, the final shot in this movie is incredible. I mean, like. So, you know, just to give you sort of the basic rundown, right, which, you know, sort of happened in the in the description of the film, um, the, you know, the, this this boat crashes because a bunch of, you know, old white dudes are are coming you know, back from Africa, from co- big game hunting. Africa, and they're, they're trying to go the faster way. But the going the faster way is not advisable because there's like, you know, reefs 
and everything else. So you could get shipwrecked. What happens? They get shipwrecked. They get and awfully shipwrecked. Oh my god! Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you know they they the everyone basically dies, but Rainsford makes it to the island, and you know there he is. And so um, he gets there. Count Zaroff is you know super nice at first, and then he discovers he's a fucking sadistic maniac, and that the most dangerous game is really. The, the game is humans. So mm-hmm. Count Zaroff likes to hunt humans, of course. So he hunts uh, Martin first, pretty easy kill. He's hunted a bunch of other people before too. And then he wants to hunt, of course, Eve and Bob. Well, um, initially he wants him to team up with him. Right. Exactly. To yep. become a hunter with him. But when he says, I will never do that because apparently, <laughs> apparently it's okay to big game hunt, but don't do it to humans. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> So, so you know, they, they go through all this mess. You know, lo and behold, who wins? Take a guess. Even Bob, of course, win eventually after after a bunch of hullabaloo. But at the end of it, they need to escape from the island, right? And so they escape from the island after they think they they probably kill Count Zaroff. So they run downstairs in this big mansion, and then they get in the boat, and and then they're they're going away into the sea. And Count Zaroff is up on at this window with a bow and arrow, ready to shoot them, but. He's just he's out of energy and then he dies. And so he drops the bow and arrow and he sort of, you know, very dramatically lays across the windowsill and falls and, to his death to get eaten by his own dogs. Right. But that whole the whole scene is set up so marvelously. So, so you, you, you don't see his body go to the dogs. You just see it fall off of the window. But as it's falling, it's 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 just it's it's perfect. You see the boat going off in the distance into the sea and it's just it was marvelous, that shot. It was absolutely marvelous. It was genius. And then it just fades into the door of the mansion with the crazy door knocker on it. Yeah, we'll talk about that door knocker yeah. in a second. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's just like one example of, of how cin- cinematographically this movie is, is, a, is a real gem. Now, there are some parts of it. I, I, well, okay, l- let me say this first. I'd say most of it really, really like works and you, you just, you know, you understand like, Hey, it's a movie from the thirties. It is what it is. There are, there are some parts of it that are, that are pretty dated that end up being maybe a little bit funny. The, the, the funny part for me was the big fight. So, you know, Bob, <laughs> Bob work. <laughs> yeah. Bob Rainsford, you know, it's so when, when, um, when Zaroff is hunting them, um, there's a, there's a moment when he like sends the dogs to attack Rainsford mm-hmm. and, and the dog and Rainsford fall off into a waterfall and, you know, Zaroff thinks, well, that's it. He's dead. Right. Turns out not true. Just one minute before I had to stop hunting him. Like, yeah, right, right. And so, you <laughs> know, just like the purge, like where yeah. he has like his own established like rules of like, right. well, I can't go past 4 a.m. Well, like, that's it now. <laughs> and so, you know, Zaroff goes back to the mansion and he's playing piano and he's like, oh, bring Eve down here. He's, you know, they're, I don't they're probably going to do something sadistically sexual or whatever. And so, like, you know, the, the, while while uh, Ivan goes off to do that or or whoever it was. Um, the, the door behind Zaroff, Bob Rainsford comes back in and he is not happy, right? He's not happy. <laughs> and so he comes in and there's, there's this big fight with Zaroff. Yeah. But with Zaroff and with Tartar and with, and with, I, it's, it's wild. And so, um, this fight is like a Jets and Sharks dance fight. It's like, so clumsy. <laughs> it is. There's people like they're like they're shooting their legs up like they're dancing and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're they're tumbling. I, it, 
it's wild. Now you, you have to, you have to just have to remind yourself as always, like to a thirties audience that was probably just like, Oh, Oh my Thrilling. God. Oh, I can't believe this. But to a modern audience, of course, you're just like, Oh my Lord, who choreographed this? Yeah. Um, so like, you know, there are, I, I say that just to say that there are parts like that, that are just sort of like, they're, they're a bit funny to us, you know, in, in this era, in this contemporary era, era now, but you can get over that pretty quickly. The story here is fantastic. The acting is really wonderful. It's a fucking hour and three minutes long. Like, bless the Lord, my soul. I wish all movies were an hour long. It'd be wonderful. I wouldn't fall asleep so often. Um, <laughs> and and it's also it's just it's fun to watch. I mean, I I just I can't say enough good about it. It was a wonderful film. Yeah. No. And uh, like, what I what honestly, what I going into this movie, knowing that there was only one female character, I kind of expected, you know, this being a 1930s movie, that Eve was just going to be like this damsel in distress character. And she's totally not. Like, she's the one that's like, she's the one that tells Bob, like, hey, there's something going on here. Like, we lost two of our sailor compatriots, and there's something weird happening here. She's, like, the one that, like, leads him on to, like, understanding what's going on. She's in the action the entire time when he says, like, all right, well, he's going to hunt me. She's like, I'm going with you. Like, she doesn't stay back and just, like, yeah, like she's in the action, which... In, in this day and age, it was all about the damsel in distress. It was all about like females yeah. being uh, wi- like weak. And she's like in it. She helps him set yeah. up every single trap. Like she's like in it to win it like the entire time. Like towards the end, she gets a little more like feigny, like a little more like, of course, uh, the, the, the typical. But like, I really, really appreciated that she was such like a like a uh, like a, a counterpart for him. It yeah. wasn't just about him. Like, I don't know. I just really appreciated that. Um, and I do <laughs> listen. Do I think the movie is a little heavy handed on like the hunter hunted? Of course, thing? yeah. It, it is. It is. Let's be honest here. I mean, it, they <laughs> in the opening scenes where they're on the boat, they're just talking about like he. <sighs> so, okay. This was the part that made me think I might not like this movie is because they're on the boat and they're talking about this picture that he has of the tiger that he probably killed. They don't say it, but. Let's. I mean, they, I think that he he ends up killing it, um, and he's basically justifying big game hunting by saying, "Well, I'm hunting it, but it's also hunting me." And I was like, "Okay, like, what are we doing here?" But then it turns it around because he ends up being the one that's hunted and understands then what it's like to be hunted, yeah, and having to like fight back and everything, and it's an unfair thing. And I just there was something about that that like got me that it didn't. I didn't expect if I'm being totally honest for a 1932 movie. Um, I thought it was really good miniature work with the boat. I didn't expect, uh, I didn't expect the boat to be so harrowing um, because they show like all of the people down below, like getting basically like kind of like what happened in that Titanic, like, like, you know, like kind of getting like killed, but they like show those workers um, I did think it was a little funny that he moves on so quickly <laughs> from, yes. from the boat crash <laughs> because like he basically says like all my friends were just killed, but it's like, oh yeah, uh, fresh clothes and a, and a scotch. Sure. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, what I mean? why not? Sure. <laughs> so I thought that that was a little funny, but you know, it is of its, of its time. And, and honestly, considering it's only 63 minutes, I will give it a pass on that. <laughs> but, um, uh, some other things I thought were just like really funny for the movie is like 
he, he has this monologue on the boat where he's like, in this world, there's the hunter and the hunted. I'm a hunter and that's never going to change. And then immediately the boat crashes. <laughs> um, I thought that they like their attempts at like trying to capture or kill uh Zar Zaroff 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 was pretty ingenious and I liked how every time they were just like we're going to do this really elaborate thing and he just catches onto it like right away and I I had to turn to the characters and be like you know that this is his island right like he yeah. knows what's on the island you know this right and it's really funny because <laughs> so the the count I'm just going to call him the count I don't yeah, even sure. know his account but um he he says to our main character, Bob, he says, uh, just to let you know, don't go to Fog Hollow because that's like where I catch most of my victims. And Bob just knows what Fog Hollow is. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, yes. Here it is. <laughs> oh, that's Fog Hollow. And I'm like, uh. How do you know that? Is there a sign? Like, I don't know. But um, and I, I I thought it was funny. I think that our guy who plays Martin is actually a pretty good drunk uh, character. Like I would I would say so too because you know it's I, I'd say especially back then there there was a tendency. And I'm not speaking like I'm some sort of you know film historian here, but there was definitely more of a tendency to play drunk as just sort of ridiculous over overacting. Exactly right. And I think that he does a great job. I was actually wanted more of him, but I he gets too. killed off like pretty quick. And like, I mean, he's a little bit comical, but like, that's okay. Like, it actually kind of works with it. Yeah. I mean, he's the folly. Like he's like yeah. kind of like the, 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 you know, the comedic relief exactly. of the movie. Right. So it works. Um, I did think it was funny when, <laughs> when he's sending them to bed, uh, Eve says something along the lines of like, every night he puts us to bed, like we're naughty children. <laughs> and then count, count, the count goes, not naughty charming children <laughs> that, I thought that was pretty good um i don't know if you got like i did get a little bit of queer in this movie i don't know if you had the same feeling or not i mean uh i would say so i mean but it, it, between between rainsford and zaroff yeah yeah sure i mean i, I think zaroff you know especially but i think Count Zaroff is sort of like Count Dracula a bit too, mm-hmm. isn't he? And so I, he's I'd like say, above sexuality. Yeah, it's it's a bit of it's a bit of the queerness there. So I mean, like you know, if if we wanted to say like you know maybe the asexuality of it is 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 a bit of the queerness, I think that probably works. Well, I mean, he lives on an island with only two other men, so that's yeah, all the time. true, true. And and then he just thinks about killing people, which is what most queer people do. Right. Yeah, we just want to kill everybody. For um, sure. Yeah, and you know, so I mean, like, look, I, I, I get what you're saying there. I, I think, um, uh, you know, I, I do wonder, like, how, how did a 1932 audience sort of view Zaroff? Like, you know, if, if there were like a, a sort of a, an everyday sort of, sort of fella going to see the movie, would they have read him as sort of like a bit of a, you know, a bit of a poof? Um, you know, I, I wonder, but I think that gets sort of taken away by the fact that like the dude likes to hunt. <laughs> You yeah. know what I mean? No, I get it. Yeah. And I think too, like there was also in that era, like uh, a good deal of eccentricity. Um, and so like, it, it's, it, I think that the eccentricness of, of the character, the way that it was written probably would have made sense to people. Um, yeah. It's almost like if you it's, have it's, it's, it's a hard question. It's almost like it, it back in that day. And I, I obviously weren't, weren't alive, so I can't really speak to it, but it almost feels like, in that day, if you had enough money, you could be as 
weird as you want it to be. You I know think, what I mean? I, yeah, I think basically yes. I mean, especially too. I mean, this is 19, 1932. So you know, you're you're in you're you're in the the era of of big excess in America, right? So the 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 crash has not yet happened yet. And um, oh wait, no, yes, it did. When was the fucking crash? Nineteen thirty. Oh my God. Are we this bad, Andrew? Yeah. When, when is, oh my God. Everyone is going to, they're going to make fun of us forever. Stock market crash of 1929. I yeah. I yeah, had yeah. it wrong. So forgive me on that. The crash had already happened in 29. Just what is that? Three years earlier. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, I mean, this is, this is going to be the, the excess of a character like this is something that's going to be so big on screen that it's, it's you know, that this person is going to read villain no matter what. Especially yeah. the people who are mostly people just scraping to get by in 1932. Like, there, there's a lot going on. So this guy is probably going to read villain more than, well, that's interesting to think, though, too. Because he is a little bit poofy, isn't he? And so why, why not? Why not? We're really working through this right now, aren't we? You know, why not increase the poofiness of a villain? Right. Yeah. I just wanted to bring it up because it, it crossed my mind after I realized that he lives alone on this island with two other men. But and, um, and also, listeners, I don't want anyone making fun of me for forgetting when the stock market crash was. I was uh, drinking until 2 a.m. last night. Do you understand? <laughs> um, okay. So I did have one other thing in my notes that I wanted to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think the alligator was going to be a bigger part of the movie? <laughs> um, not really. What, 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 did, did you? Yeah. Well, they... Uh, I'm I'm sorry, but like this is 1932. We have sharks that are literally eating people in the <laughs> in the ocean in in the beginning of the movie. The captain is yes. <laughs> ceremoniously killed off by a, a eat, shark, eat, quote, quote unquote, a shark because eat. he just kind of slips into the water. But <laughs> um, but then we are in the finale, the 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 action epicenter of the movie, and we are running around this island, and things are happening, and we're going in swamps, and all of a sudden they show this alligator, and I'm like, oh shit, alligator, and they just run right past it, and it never does anything. <laughs> I thought it was maybe well, going to take down one of the henchmen, or take so down a dog, or that's something. Interesting because. Um, let's see here. I have in the notes here that there there were some budget issues, right? So um, before shooting began, what had been envisioned as a relatively spectacular production was of necessity reined in dramatically when RKO stepped in, setting a three-week shooting schedule and a budget ceiling of 202000 roughly 16000 less than the figure ultimately spent. Efforts to conform to these newly imposed limits were most apparent in a drastically scaled down shipwreck sequence and in the size of the cast itself, trimmed nearly in half merely by virtue of eliminating nine, eliminating nine of the shipwreck victims. So I there, did think some of his friends were going to come yeah, back at some point, but a, they don't. A bunch of people got cut, and I, I wonder what the alligator, like maybe they just said, nope, too expensive, sorry, not going to work. Yeah. I because initially budgets are tough these days, aren't they, Andrew? You're telling me no. Um, I, but initially, when we're set up on the boat, you know, we get introduced to like this like cast of characters. There's like yeah, I think sure. there's like eight guys that are talking, uh, and they eventually just get killed off like unceremoniously in the boat crash. So that's I'm wondering if and we don't we're never going to f- figure this out, but I'm wondering if they filmed that initial scene in the boat before everything else they might have yeah you know what possible. i mean sure 
Yeah. And then they said, well, we got to cut all these people. And so we're just going to kill them all off in the boat crash. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's I think it's an uh, it's highly plausible that that is what happened. Well, listen, here at Friday the 13th, we grade on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of the gay old rainbow. Maddie, what did you give the 1932 film The Most Dangerous Game? I gave it six, and I said it's a fantastic film with excellent cinematography and just a little over an hour long. Amazing. And I also gave it a six. I said, I can't believe this was a 1930s movie with the ideas that it presents. It actually had me on the edge of my seat. And I appreciated that the woman character was not your typical damsel in distress. Well, that does it for The Most Dangerous Game. We will take a quick break and we'll be right back with Death Race. I created Death Race six years ago. I now have as many viewers as the Super Bowl. The drivers are convicts and the rules are simple. There are no rules. Win and get your freedom. Or die trying. Who's the new guy? Jensen Ames. Used to race for NASCAR. They say he killed his wife. I guess he didn't like the old Neo. I want you to drive for me. Unless you think I'm risk my life doing this for you. I'm offering you your freedom. All you have to do is walk off that track alive and win, of course. The race takes place in three stages over three days. Tomorrow you meet your navigator. They get bust in from the women's facility. So what about the other drivers? It's kill. We'll be killed. I'm gonna win this race because I want out of here. Hope you got enough gas in the car, because it's time for the death race. Andrew, tell us all about it. It's one of your better ones. Good for you. Uh, uh, Get ready for a killer race. Terminal Island, New York, 2020. Overcrowding the U.S. penal system has reached a breaking point. Prisons have been turned over to a monolithic Wayland Corporation, which sees jails full of thugs as an opportunity for a television sport. Adrenaline... Uh, oh, this, this is a very complicated... I know, I know. <laughs> Adrenalized inmates, a global audience hungry for violence and a spectacular enclosed arena come together to form the Death Race, the biggest, most brutal event. Directed by Welcome to the Show, Paul W.S. Anderson. We've <laughs> never done a Paul W.S. Anderson right, I know. movie before. Uh, written by Paul W.S. Anderson, Robert Tom, Charles B. Griffith, and I- Ib? I.B. Melkor? I can't, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, I think I think that's short for Ibrahim, and so I think, it, I think it's Eb Melkor. Oh, got it. Okay. Uh, this stars Jensen, A- or <laughs> this stars Jason Statham as Jensen Ames. <laughs> Joan Allen. Where, where did you, how did you get cast in yeah, this, Joan for, Allen? For real. I know. Crazy. Joan Allen as Hennessy. Ian McShane. What? I'm sorry. We're, Ian McShane is in this movie? I know. As coach. Tyrese Gibson as Machine Gun Joe. Natalie Martinez as Case. Max Ryan as Pachinko, Jason Clark as Ulrich, and Frederick Kohler as Lists. This is rated R with a runtime of 105 minutes. It made in California, let's just say that. Yeah. And uh, it came out on August 22nd of 2008. 
eight. Well, and, and also made in Montreal. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it was both. Um, I had seen this before. I'm not sure if you had seen this before. No, but why don't no, you? Why don't I you not? Why don't you tell us your initial thoughts on the Death Race? Oh, I, I think it's great. I think this is a great movie. Um, I, I actually, I'm, I'm already thinking that I, I probably scored it too low for myself. Um, I think Death Race is um, a very surprising movie. And, um, but, but also like when I, when I dig into it, it's not that surprising. I mean, like it's, it's a dystopian film and I love dystopian films. So, you know, post-apocalyptic, you know, crazy viruses, the world gone mad, like that kind of shit, it gets me going. And I think this is yet another one. And I think that, that death race manages to be an action film. Um, uh, that's also a thriller and we, you know, we put it in horror as well. And, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's nonstop this movie and, and how could it not be? It's a movie fucking called death race. Like it's, it's supposed to be nonstop. So it's an action film that just keeps going and going and going. And it is a film also that has a great deal of social commentary to, to offer to us. I mean, like at the end of the day, this is actually closer to reality than I think we want to pretend that it would not be right you oh, have yeah. you have prisons that are run by private corporations in this dystopian 2020. Well, I can tell you in 2023 in America, most prisons are run by private corporations. And you know, there there have been stories that have come out about like literally the prison saying if we don't get more prisoners, we're going to have to go out of business as though that's a bad thing, right? So I mean like the 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 history of incarceration in America, which is where this takes place, is sort of, you know, being skewered by by this film. And I think for for great reasons. I think America treats prisoners and treats inmates, um, you know, look, no matter who they are, no matter what the crime is, as as animals. And um, and you know, we we hear horrible, rotten stories, especially if we think back to COVID times, right? We 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 hear these stories of of prisoners being treated like like they were nothing, like like they like they were less than cattle. And even if you've done terrible things. Even if you've done, you know, if, if you've murdered people, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like we are, are we a society who agrees that people still have dignity or not? Like mm-hmm. I've, either humans have it or they don't. And this is a movie about a, about a time in the very near future when, when, when people believe that they don't. And we believe it so hard that we say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to create Gladiator again, basically. And instead of having the Coliseum, it's going to be a big track. And we're going to, you know, cheer on as some of these people get murdered in insane fucking ways. Insane. What's what's one of the insane ways? Here's one of them, right? So you're on this fucking crazy death race shit. And I I forget what it was probably second. It was the second installment of it or whatever. You're in death Mario Kart. Yeah, right. And the fuck and fucking Joan Allen, who's a very surprising as the warden, I might I, I might add here. Joan Joan Allen says, uh, and her name is Hennessy. Hennessy says, "Release the dreadnought," and it's this huge semi truck that they've been working on in secret. And, and flamethrowers, machine yeah. guns, <laughs> and, and oh, and by the way, on the back of it, a fucking tank, right? And so, like they 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 also have these like parts on it on the side of the vehicle that like that like can like dig into the cars and like make you know fuck them up basically. So there's fucking there's one death where the fucking get next to the the dude. It's it's the Asian guy. And the fucking like spinner crazy spike thing chops up the woman inside of it. Yeah, like, because that, I think what that we, was insane. What we forget to say is that um, each one of these drivers is paired up with a partner right. from 
either the women's prison or in Tyrese's <laughs> in Tyrese's case, um, a man because apparently he's gay. We'll, we'll yeah. talk about that, but yeah, we'll 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 definitely get because that that is the one weird part of this movie. But we'll definitely get to it for sure. Um, so so you've got a movie that has crazy deaths in it, as you might imagine. It's got crazy violence. It's got all way more violence. gory than I remembered. So gory, and I I watched the unrated version, so I don't know I don't know which one you watch, but um, I I imagine I got a few more goodies when when it came to that. Um, but, uh, so where was I going with this? With the things that it's got, it's got the ultra violence. It's got the, 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 the social justice aspect of it. It's got the nonstop action. It's got great actors. Jason Statham. I've, I've always loved Jason Statham. I think he's fucking fantastic. He knows his lane. Oh yeah. I mean, he knows it and he's good at it and he's just, he's fucking amazing. Uh, you've got Ian McShane, one of the best actors Seriously? of all fucking time. <laughs> And also, you've got, I don't know, who the fuck convinced Joan Allen to say, Joan, you're going to be in this crazy fucking movie. I mean, Joan Allen is, like, this is not her kind of thing. And she does it really well. I mean, I, I bet she had a lot of fun playing Hennessy. She probably did. Yeah. So you've got a killer You've got a killer uh, cast. You've got producers who are amazing, like Tom Cruise and Paula Wagner. I mean, come on. Th- those are great producers. Well, what you have to also remember is that this is a remake of a very famous Roger exactly. Corman movie. Right. So sure. like <laughs> and and you know, so the, the, I, I say all of that, that list just just to, you know, to, to, to finally say this movie has a lot going for it. And especially for socially minded people like you and me and like like probably 99 percent of our listeners. Um, it's a movie that really speaks to you too. So I thought it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And for me, it really was a surprise. So I, I, I can't say enough good about it. Yeah. And, and just, just because we literally just reviewed those movies, this is what the purge wants to be. Um, I would agree with you. That's a great way to think about it. Truly. Yeah. Um, listen, is this movie over the top, crazy, gory stupidness? Yes, absolutely. But is it, is it just like, a really fun watch. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you're going to a movie called death race. Like what else yeah. do you want? Like, um, yeah, overall <clears throat> I had seen this probably close to when it came out. I don't know if I saw it in the theater, but I definitely saw it at one point, but I had not even given it a thought until we were thinking about doing this episode. Sure. And you know, is it a little bit more of an action movie than a horror movie? Yeah, but I still think it's pretty fucking horrific. Like what's happening in well, this I mean, movie? So see, and that, that's just the thing is if you if people get weird about that kind of shit, I'm always like, do you think that like pitting people against each other in a fucking gladiator death race at, in a prison is not horrific? Right, <laughs> exactly. I mean, if, if you if because if the, if the answer is no, then you need to go fucking like go go see a therapist about that. Yeah, and um. I just uh, okay, okay. So Paul W S Anderson. If you don't know who he is, we've reviewed. Oh wait, we actually have reviewed one of his movies before. We reviewed uh, Event Horizon, which he also oh directed. yes, 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 yes. Good point. Um, so like Paul W S Anderson is responsible for the Resident Evil movies. He was responsible for Mortal Kombat. So like you kind of get the drift. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's over the top action. It's crazy video game. It, essentially, I don't know if you've ever played this game as a as a kid. Um, it, this is essentially Twisted Metal. The, yeah, the movie, sure, right. Which is is it's really funny that we're reviewing this right at this time because there's a Twisted Metal TV show about to come out in like a couple days. Oh wow, crazy. Um, but um, yeah, overall, I think that this just like it hits like a weird video game 
like nostalgia button yeah. i think for a lot of us that like oh this is like a video game but a movie you know what i mean yeah and it doesn't make a ton of sense because like the whole thing is about you know jensen ames he's he's just, <laughs> they say this like four times at the beginning of the movie but he's just an honest worker <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and um he basically what happens is his wife is killed um by I think what the movie is telling us by Pachinko, but hired by Hennessy to do. Exactly. Correct. Um, and he is framed for the murder. His baby gets taken away and he's plunged into the death race because he has a history of being a really famous race car driver. I'm a, that is that what you got from that? Yeah. Because at the beginning, he's working at, at like a plant. So I was like, well, I don't really understand like why he's working here, but he's a famous race car driver. But, you know, that's that's okay. Um, and essentially, he, what he's there to do is take over this caricature of Frankenstein, like that who has won four of the death races previously. And if he wins a fifth one, he earns his freedom. But from the beginning of the movie, I will say, did he really win that race? <laughs> because he gets like blown across the finish line in like fiery mess from Machine Gun Joe. And you know what? In in the death race, Andrew, there are no winners when Seriously. it comes down to it. Uh, so the, the, essentially the whole movie is about like, okay, just win one more death race, which essentially is three races because you have to make it through three stages of the race, which I tell you, Listen, why do we have to have three stages? <laughs> you know what? I don't make the rules. I know. Um, I thought it was funny at the beginning. His wife, she's like cooking onions because that, that's all they have to eat, I guess, is just onions. And <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though. I do. I do. I get it. <laughs> because they flashed to the burn onions like three times. But um, she's like... <sighs> you know what let's go crazy and she drinks one pbr and i was like pbr one good for you girl good for you um uh i i think like where this movie could maybe get expanded upon and i know there's sequels i've never seen any of the sequels so i don't know if they kind of more go into this is that i would like to know a little bit more of the relationship between the driver and their partner because jason statham you know jensen ames he has a very established partner with case yeah like they have like a relationship and they're both trying to help each other out and she like even warns him about like hennessy and says like you know she said like don't let him win and like so she's very honest with him and everything but then all the other drivers they all have partners but they are just brutally murdered like (laughs) like brutally like i think machine gun joe goes through like four partners in the movie um i think you're right and each one of them gets brutally either shot or murdered. And there's even a part where Tyrese is like his his partner gets brutally shot. And then he kind of like feels himself and he's like, oh, thank God I didn't get shot. And I was like, OK, like, come on. Um, but I think like when you're going into a movie like this, you kind of just it, it's kind of like when you go and watch James Bond. Like, yeah. You know that he might get hurt, but James Bond's never going to die. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's kind of that mentality that you have to go into this of like, it's going to be fantastical, but you just know who the hero is. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I do get it. Um, oh, and by, and by the way, there are three sequels to it. Death Race 2, Death Race 3, Inferno, and Death Race Beyond Anarchy. Uh, two was in 2010, three was in 2013, and Beyond Anarchy was in 2018. 
Were any of these in the theater or were they all direct to video? Oh, they were all direct to video. Okay. Well, I I think maybe I'll skip them then and just live in my fantasy of this one movie. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's there. Listen, is the messaging a little heavy handed? Absolutely. Of course. But I think that like, it, it even goes so far as like, if you look really closely, Pachinko, who's like one of the main baddies has like a Confederate flag, like on his shoulder, like on, on his like uniform. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about this now because we sure. have to go into it because we are Friday the 13th. Of course. There is a throwaway line that says basically that Tyrese's character, Machine Gun Joe, the 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 main quote-unquote uh protagonist if you will, yeah. or antagonist if you antagonist, will. Antagonist, yeah. Um they end up getting along at the end, but whatever. It, there there's a, a a throwaway line that that the one guy, his mechanic says, one goes, angry, that's homo. one angry homo. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and there, there was more about it too, before they were like, no, he went through them, like through, like through their asses, basically. Like there, there was yeah. a, bit, a bit more talk about it. Uh, it's, it's really weird. I, I don't understand. It is really weird, right? <laughs> but I mean, it was, I just, I just, as you know, that, you know, we always have to do this with, with films. We have to remember like what, what year it was. And, Oh eight, they. I guess that's how it would have been treated. I, I suppose, but I just don't understand why they made the decision in the first place. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And um, there's even a kind of a line towards the end when they are doing their like getaway, and Tyrese pulls out the shirts that they're gonna wear yeah. to like get away. You know, like their disguises or whatever. And um, Jensen says to him, "You know, these shirts maybe re- make me really question your." And he never yeah. says it, but I'm like, he means question your sexuality, right? Because they're like tacky shirts. They're like tacky dad Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's just it. It's like, it's, they're little, they're like little digs that probably made like straight dudes laugh a little bit in the cinema. I guess. I guess. I just, it's just a weird thing to include in such like a, a dude movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that he would even be gay it, because just, it doesn't. It doesn't add anything to the script, and it—I it, mean—it explains why he has male counterparts as his like partners, but those those partners die off so quickly that you well, don't it, really care. And it and it adds nothing to his character. It adds literally nothing. Like I mean, we we don't hear him talk about like his like his husband back home or his boyfriend here or you know whatever. We don't hear any of that. Literally, literally nothing. And listen, do we? As gay people want to pretend that Tyrese Gibson is gay? Yes, absolutely. Yes. We want we want the opportunity gay. to sleep with he Tyrese Gibson. <laughs> I thought he was gay, right? <laughs> but um yeah, so I think that honestly, you're either gonna really get on board with this movie or you're gonna really hate it. I yeah. think that that's kind of the way that you go into these type of movies. Um, and I just had fun with it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it's like I, I love when Joan Allen gets her her just as oh at the end. Totally. And Ian McShane blows her up at a <laughs> as she like gets her like present. I thought that that was really good. This, you know what this is? This is the night. This is 1980s action in 2000, whatever, 2008 or whatever Agreed. when this came out. Like this is like what we grew up on. This is, uh, I'm trying to think of a good action movie. Cobra. Like this yeah, is like sure. all the all those movies from the 80s that we grew up on, kind of in a 2008 mentality. And so I just. I just had fun with it. I don't know. I when I when I start to when we're, we've been talking about it for you know eighteen minutes now, but yeah, like sure. 
when I really think about like the the like the the quality of the movie, do I think it's kind of stupid? Y- yeah, but I don't know. It's like it's that kind of stupid that knows it's stupid, exactly. so it just kind of like like leans into it, which I can really appreciate if that makes sense. But I, I mean, I just I also really think that like if if you sort of just like if you even just give a, a an iota of thought about what it says about prisons in here, this movie actually becomes something something a lot more. And, yeah. and I, think, I think it's really important to think about because I mean, it it is, it's really bad. And you know, on this show, we, we look at the horror in real life too. And that's certainly part of this. Yeah. I, the one thing that did keep me in the movie, and I don't know if you appreciated this or not, yeah. but I appreciated that like, the $99 for day oh, one yeah. and so everything good. else for the low, low price of $250. And, like, and honestly, so well done. Those were really well done. I, I love when movies do that, when they know that the audience is going to catch on to like the totally. gimmick and like, they just like lean into it. And so like, I really appreciated that. Um, I thought it was really funny that when we don't know the name of someone, that's when we know they're going to die. <laughs> You know, uh-huh. like, like you see like the the like lineup of like the the drivers on the little screen and you're like, who's Gunnison? Who's who's that guy? They who's gone guy? now. And then they die immediately. And what I will say about Death Race, if you haven't watched it in a while, surprisingly gory, <laughs> like very gory. Oh, my God. Yes. Like I, I like that part where I forget who what his name is in the movie, but it's where the one guy with all the tattoos uh he gets uh kind of like rolled over in his car and he like makes it out and he's like you're not gonna burn me you're not gonna kill me da 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 and then he just gets pulverized by yeah. a car door and you're like oh my god jesus now a, f- a few things about the movie too david carradine who starred in the original film death race 2000 played the voice of frankenstein or frank oh, cool. scene um to get into fighting shape for the film jason statham trained for three months with an ex-navy seal who was one of the key trainers for the film 300 if and- i ever have a body like that in my entire life oh my just God. just kill me then like <laughs> seriously like i mean jesus I, I i bought dumbbells from my house on a little bench I, I in my head i have that body already Right, you are Jason. I I already am. Um, (laughs) Each of the thirty-four cars used in the film cost between two hundred and fifty and three hundred thousand to detail. Yeah, you're never going to convince me that a a a Mustang can sustain that much damage. But it can't. (laughs) That's not. It's not a tank, man. All right. Well, Maddie, what did you think? of death race on your score of seven stripes yeah i i bumped it up a little bit i gave it five and a half um i i think uh you know the only thing that 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 brought it down was the the gay stuff but other than that i think it's honestly it's a pretty solid fucking movie and it's 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 a uh, it was just it just really surprised me um and i said uh i'm surprised i like this movie as much as i did thrilling bold non-stop action and social commentary all in one film let's fucking go I said, I'm going to give it a five. I bumped mine up just a little bit because I had had a really good time discussing it. Um, And I said, this hits an action button for all of us kids raised on video game. Is it perfect? No. Is it entertaining, gory, and fun? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, folks, that is our final film of the episode. We'll take our final break here and be back with our game called Professional Sports Team or Did I Make This Up? Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. 
and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's at the 30. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. Now he runs the opposite way. He runs at the 50. He runs at the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. The 20. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. Waving his arms, bare-chested. Somebody stop that man. Well, that does it for episode 103 of Fragate the 13th Horror Podcast. But before you go... We have a little fun game to play with you. Maddie, I have devised a series of, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six potential teams of professional sports. Okay. And you have to tell me whether you think these are real or whether you think I either sourced them or made them up. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Perfect. All right. The first one is the Hartford Yard Goats. Hartford Yard Goats. I'm just going to say it's real. It is real. It is a team from Hartford, <laughs> as you'd expect. Okay. All right. The next one is the San Francisco Fairies. I'm going to guess it's, it's like a gay league and it's real. That is actually fake. It is from the movie Basketball. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Fair enough. The next one, the Mesic Bulldogs. Oh, that's in a movie isn't it? I I think it's fake. That is my high school mascot. Oh, no way. Oh my God. That's amazing. That's amazing. All right. The next one, the Montgomery biscuits. I want that to be real. It's real. That is the Montgomery, Alabama baseball team. All right. Good for them. Next up is the Lansing lug nuts. Uh, This is real. The Lansing Lugnuts are a professional B team of in baseball out of Love Lansing, it. Michigan. And the final one, the San Fernando Valley Bay Watchers. Fake. I made that up. Yes, perfect. <laughs> okay, that was pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah, so that does it for episode 103. Um, we're really happy to bring it to you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um <laughs> So, folks, just some housekeeping items here. The the first one I'll start with is this. We are going on our annual hiatus for the month of August. So this will be the last episode that you hear from us until September. Um, we do this every year. It's a, a way for us to just sort of take a break and um, clear our clear our heads. Um, you will have some great bonus material coming out, though. So we'll get that out to you in August. So look forward to that. Um, but in September, we will return back with new content. Just in time for spooky season. Yes. Um, and as promised, sororities are terrifying. Yeah, but, baby. Let's go. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you want to support the show, if you've enjoyed the last two hours of content, you can do so by going to Fragate13.com slash support or searching for us on Patreon where you can join as a patron. We have some bonus stuff over there, but for the most part, we try to keep the content as free as possible. Exactly. And so uh, if you want to support us monetarily, we really appreciate it because that keeps us going. But we also know that it's 2023 and fucking everything is so expensive. And so if you can't do it, no big deal. But if you can, we'd really appreciate it. And, you know, for folks that can't do it or if even if you don't want to do it, whatever that the case might be, one way that you can that you can help us without any money involved at all is just leaving a review. So um, we've asked you this for years now, for five years, five um, so long we, years, right? What we want <laughs> you to do is just go leave a review somewhere, wherever, wherever that is. And look, even if your review is just going on Twitter and telling people about us or, or on threads or, or whatever, go do that. Um, we would really love to uh, to have your support. 
also a little bit about social media. You can follow us on social at Friday 13, Friday 13. That's on Twitter, that's on Instagram, and it's on threads and TikTok for that matter too, although we don't really do anything there. Sorry, TikTok freaks me out. <laughs> um, but folks, thank you so much for being with us for our 103rd episode. It means a lot to us that you spent the last, you know, over two hours with us, you know, just hanging out. Um, you mean the world to us. Our listeners are everything. And we do this podcast because of you. You feel like family to us. I hope that we feel like family to you because we really, truly, from the bottom of our hearts, appreciate every single one of you listening to us for as long as you have. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. And we'll sign off saying what we always say, and it is this. Andrew and I want one thing for you, and it is to get, get slayed. slayed.